0: the tefl commute season 12 episode 3 fake in which sean and i get real Welcome everybody to the Temple Commute. Uh, this is a podcast for language teachers. It's for language teachers, but it's not about—it's not necessarily about language teaching. Although the topic always comes up. And uh, I'm your host, Lindsay Kleinfield, joined by. Hi, my name's Sean, and as I said, I'm the
1: other host. And today we're talking fake.
0: Yep. Because on the Temple Commute, every episode we take a word or a topic and we explore it from different angles uh as language teachers so we explore from a language often a language angle and a teaching angle and any other angle that really strikes our fancy and fake is one that we've had on the to-do list for quite some time yeah well
1: it's james i think keeps pushing on the fake because james got lots on his blog and things about fake lessons and fake news which yeah. we'll get to yeah. but no fake's one of those words And <laughs> interestingly um Knowing they were going to do fake, um, I, I was, I was, I was dabbling on Google Feud the other day. Do you know Google Feud? It's a uh, feud. Uh, no. Yeah. Is it Google fight. No. Uh well, you know, like uh, ish. You know, Google. You know, um, what? You could, yeah. So Google fight is the which is the more search thing, isn't it? Google Feud is, um, um, you know, Family Feud, the game, yeah. uh, where where people have to guess an association. So Google Feud, uh, is. Um is, is based on that idea, uh, and you have to guess what the ten auto-completes would be. Oh, so if you go okay. Uh, and so it fills and so you type in what it what it what what you think would be the Google autofill afterwards, and you get points for it. It's a good time waster and okay. i uh we were i was um um which is relevant to this episode it, it was in my digital literacy class uh we were talking about searching and and how searching works we were playing google feud in, cl- feud in class and fake came up so you would assume that the number one associations with fake is fake. fake. And it's actually not. <laughs> I was really oh, wow. surprised by this. We are recording
0: this in 2020, everybody. So, yeah. But, is not the number. So, what would be the number well, one? Sorry, in uh, by, by, by
1: intrigue, by intrigue on this, obviously took me to Google Trends, which we've talked about before. Which okay. uh, which uh, shows you the, the way people Google things and whatever over time, and it goes back to two thousand and four. So um, so so if you go if you do Google Trends on on its full time from two thousand four to twenty twenty. Then, um, it, it, I found it really interesting that the word fake um, is obviously pottering along there as a such. As uh, and from 2007 has had a steady ascent. So if you if you look at the graph, the graph starts to rise in uh, 2007. And of course, in 2016, the graph takes a steep rise because of... Um, Political events that happened around then, and yeah. uh, the, the 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 president of the United States uh, calling fake news, so you get this massive climb, and then since 2017 it's plateaued off. So anyway, so as so as a result of that, um, depending where you are in the world, um, fake news isn't the top. So in in um, in the UK, for example, fake tan and fake ID. Are our searched more than fake news oh, ah, or fake, fake
0: news. ID? Okay, I can I can get that. Yeah,
1: and in fake the US, ID. in the US, fake so fake news is the third in in the UK. Second in the US is fake news, and fake ID beats it. And globally, and I'm not and, and I actually forgot to look at why globally fake taxi is the number one uh search. Fake taxi. Yeah, fake taxi. Um, this the Google Trends is is somewhat um is somewhat influenced by Uh, music though so you will find our fake love trends quite high which again i wondered why but then because i found out that it's and as we shall see later on in this podcast it it is featured by two of the world's biggest artists over the last few years i've had that song so it was i just thought it was really interesting because i think in your head as soon as you hear the word fake you go news it kind of almost finishes or maybe just you and i do because we are maybe yeah yeah. But but uh, but then yeah, and you also get oh, this finally, I think is really interesting. People who search the word fake most live in the Philippines and Malaysia. <laughs> oh wow. There, okay. you go. There, there you go there's my, there's my irrelevant geeky facts to start an episode are you going and to bring them all to each element well that's how
0: we roll isn't it on yeah. a couple commute we talk about the word and, and and interesting things about the word from a linguistic point of view um, i'm going to segue us into elt now because what would you think about fake about elt and you might not immediately have things that jump to mind but if we take like a synonym for fake as as in artificial, and contrast it with its opposite in a way, authentic, then we do have a lot of stuff that relates to English language teaching. It's because the whole idea of authentic and authenticity is one that has been explored a lot and uh uh, written about, then criticized, and then re-criticized, and rewritten about. So, it, I thought it'd be interesting to look at fake as it relates to English language teaching for its opposite, as in like real or authentic. And so, there are three kinds of things that we often link authentic to: authentic, real world. I suppose is another one, as opposed to fake. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No. Okay.
0: No, the first is that the the um that uh well. These are tied, but let's start with what they call authenticity of task. So here the idea is, are we giving learners tasks which are like fake things to do in class just to work on the language, right? So by by a very Ooh, sort of yeah, so, simplified... A, A dangerous argument, road like, you're taking is down uh, here, Lindsay. <laughs> yes. but So the authenticity of tasks are, are the tasks we're giving them, the kind of tasks they do in the real world, right? So there have been in the past arguments that we should be giving students more real-world tasks to do with language in the classroom as opposed to artificial, which I would also then say you could call fake tasks, um, which are just for language display whether or not it's, we agree with that is a different thing and maybe I've so funny enough i've been
1: i was just writing uh, uh, writing for a, a publisher about this this week about people making taking authentic material online and not having authentic tasks with it i think that exactly they're like, yeah is, is so they, so
0: yeah that, that 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 idea of reading a newspaper maybe an authentic task but underlining all the irregular verbs in a newspaper is not something authentic if we a fake
1: how far do you stretch that line now as a materials writer because answering detailed comprehension questions this isn't exactly an authentic task either is
0: it no no but and i'll come back to the like the the big (laughs) but about what we mean by authentic in a moment the other uh, area of fake versus real so one is task whether or not the task we have the other one of course is materials right so Mm -hmm. um your authentic materials you know uh, only using authentic materials in the class i only use like whatever, newspaper articles, uh, videos, websites. And then here, even here, we get on a slippery slope of what, what do we mean by authentic? Because the traditional uh, explanation or an older explanation was authentic material is one that is written for a native speaker. Okay, so what does that mean in a world of globalized English yeah. or- and stuff um but even just going with that then the argument would be that too much english in language classrooms and materials is fake so fake people in course books fake dialogues fake stories about fake places and fake things yeah so sort of like Read these. Read this blog post in a in a book. Well, that blog post never really exists. The coursebook writer wrote it. Not even. For and it's a also fake because okay. it's a
1: blog post that's been printed and put in a coursebook. So it's exactly. Authentic.
0: Exactly. So so there's there, there's a couple of things, and then the third one, uh, third element of fake or real uh, is the authenticity of the teacher. So here, the authenticity of the teacher is, um, and this isn't so much about this is more about being like true to yourself and an authentic person, an authentic teacher will have better results in class because they, they feel comfortable with themselves. They are authentic with the students, meaning that they, they, they empathize, they share, they're personable. They are themselves. They don't hide behind a fake teacher facade. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's how authenticity and fakeness and I don't think the word fake has been used that much. So I'm stretching it.
1: Okay, so, I, I, and so the authenticity of, authenticity of we, could we pick the word I could say, of a uh-huh. uh, uh, teacher is interesting. Should stu- uh, is it also authenticity? I never thought about it because, obviously, as a teacher trader, Well, think it doesn't we it mean about... that you
0: share everything. No, no, I'm coming from a different a... angle. Um,
1: uh-huh. I, I would just wonder, just because of the way you were talking, whether there's authenticity of a student as well. Um, oh. And whether students are fake. And, and the reason i was thinking that is because of just the way you, you talked about and uh, and the idea that um, i think hiding this 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 hiding your true self or whatever which yeah. which we often talk about in teacher training courses but then there's an argument that uh, students hiding and and being fake like creating fake characters or like that's why you do role plays isn't it because yeah. the the fakeness of a role play or the character within that is there's an argument that actually in in um, it provides a a shield or a space for the students to talk without risk to themselves in well, one That way. is
0: interesting. So the usefulness of fake, which then brings me back to the argument over whether tasks should always be authentic and materials should always be authentic, has another mm-hmm. um, problem with it that I think Henry Whittowson, um in a book called Defining Issues in Language Teaching, one of my favorite sort of uh, method, not methodology, like philosophical books about language teaching, writes about... The problems with authenticity, and he says, uh, I don't have the quote exactly, but the gist of it is that the comprehension task maybe isn't authentic what we do in the real world, but it is an authentic thing of what happens in a classroom and an authentic element of pedagogy. Which, if you don't have, why bother having the classroom at all? Just to, you know, the class, the purpose of the classroom and pedagogy is to find shortcuts for what would normally take much longer if you were just kind of doing it by yourself right so in that sense in that sense tasks such as find someone who's reading comprehension um you know even drilling um other tasks that are are gap fills for example matching sentence halves things like that are authentic tasks in a pedagogical context it, it, like a assuming context. yeah
1: so if you apply the if you if you define authenticity as within the educational sphere that they're authentic tasks yeah. of education
0: and but then you could a, even stretch it to materials that yeah this is the most kind of this is in a classroom this is authentic for the classroom setting it's not authentic for something that you would seek out and and read or listen to for fun but it is authentic in that setting i don't know so that's just uh but there is yeah. always that fine that fine line, I mean, the, the fakeness in course books. I, I wrote for one course book once where the publisher said, wouldn't it be great if every single name and every single sentence was about a real person, even the grammar ones? And we started trying that, and I was like, but if they're not recognizable, because it couldn't always be recognizable people unless you filled it all with famous people – how would they know? Like, if, if I just wrote, you know, like, whatever, a whole bunch of sentences about present perfect or something like that, and I have a couple of names in there, how will the students know, even if it is a real person or not? I, I, I was never really that convinced by it all having to be real, especially at low levels, where uh, yeah. they're I so mean, focused on the language that... Did you not write a whole course book based on, on it being authentic? I did and that's why <laughs> I yes yeah, so a lot of the things were authentic it was <laughs> that was the course book that had so much yeah. authentic stuff with it um incidentally one of the criticisms leveled at that course book was that the lower levels it would sometimes get hard because cuz it was all kind of real worldy stuff but even then we still did have um certain amount of artificial things in there um and I think, I mean, you, you
1: have centric. to be artificial. In, in, yeah. I, I mean, you, I take, I think I got along with the educational sphere, especially with course books. I think because, because the, uh, in a sense, that's what the course book is there. It's the crutch to help learn English, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, um, and I think therefore it needs to incorporate things that are gonna give the students confidence to deal with the real world stuff. Maybe I mean, that's an old-fashioned again, idea.
0: But the, the whole idea of the fake person as well is like this often it's as a throwback to the Dick and Jane books when you're yeah. learning to read and you know they were obviously fake people. But, but the funny thing is, is I think a lot of the times when we really criticize about that, it's because we've forgotten what it's like to be a low-level learner. And I went when I went and did a German course as an A one level German learner. I really didn't care if Hans was a real person, the text I was reading about Hans. I was really so focused on just getting my mouth around the words and reading it and saying things. And even the tasks, one of the tasks we did, which you could imagine is the most fake task, language classroom task, it was we had to <clears throat> bid on things on the table. So I had to say, okay, I, I, I pay like $1, and then they had to say higher, like $3, and I had yeah. to say higher. It was just for saying numbers and it was we just did that for ages and i just kept saying no can we do it again can we do it again because i just wanted to say the number so it was like an inauthentic task but for me was was quite you know useful and it's funny
1: because i my my um my son's learning French at the moment, and he's obviously low age and low level. Uh, and uh, due to um, lockdown, he's learning French. His lessons are via Zoom, and to fair play to the teacher. The, the teachers are the, the, they're really interactive. But one of the things I noticed that she does use what I would say was a lot of authenticish material, which is in French. Uh, I, we get a lot of YouTube videos, for okay. example, uh, and I and I sit there because. Um, thinking, that's hard. Or my English teacher head kicks are great. Are you going to explain that? Are you? Um, I a, <laughs> yeah. you know, is this, has their schema been? You know, there's <laughs> yes, all these so things.
0: Have we pre-taught any of the really <laughs> hard yeah, yeah, words? exactly. <laughs> so,
1: so you know, there is. The, and again, I think this goes back to where that, that line is. I, I do, I will, I will. One of the things we kind of went across is, of course, is authentic material is this, is real language as opposed to the the book artifice, fakeness of, of the yeah. language being graded to a level. Yes. And, I, and, and I think, and I can go both ways on that argument because there's been a, a kind of trend at the moment for publishing companies to, to qualify the level of words. Yeah, um, yeah. Yes. So yes. And, you know, you've got to use words. We've decided that, that, or corpora has decided, these words are of a B1 level,
0: and you're yes, like, you really? can't go outside of your of of yes. And I think that's one of the things that the um in the future, the Common European Framework will have a lot to answer for for kind of setting us off down that path because I think it was a question of time before we start trying before publishers, organizations, apps, uh, technology wanted to start mapping every word sense group to a certain level so that then you can sort of say yes you you absolutely know this but of course you know what what constituted an easy word for one person in a certain area would be considered like a c1 word i mean for you know if we're talking cognates or or things yeah, like that so exactly. it's always a bit a bit weird hey one last thing before we take a break I'm, I'm just sorry, i've
1: got one last thing before you take a break you just talked about technology putting test together it reminded me that this year is the guardian has been having fake news articles we're talking about articles written by artificial intelligence so maybe coursebook will go that way very that, shortly that be
0: true that could be true that you <laughs> would eventually get these things of, like uh, uh, like machine intelligence writing the course book and in a way in some ways I don't see why it couldn't necessarily it would lose some of the spark of some of the older course oh, books but a
1: cute, cute would, course for writers uh, throwing stuff at Lindsay on, oh, yeah, totally. to
0: say one last thing Lindsay. I was gonna say my one last thing was um, one of the things that I find that did Irk people and teachers is is when you do like the fake people in course books when you have just so many of them and i think it's a problem is the using the stock photography of you know stock photos of people and you think is this really this person or is it not and um there's one great website that really freaked me out and i wonder if this isn't part of the future of pictures in course books to make sure that they're not real is if you check online the website it's all one word, This person does not thispersondoesnotexist.com. If you just type that in and yeah. take a look, Sean.
1: And
0: I've got an Asian-looking
1: woman that comes on the oh, screen. Oh, well,
0: each, if you refresh your page, a new thing happens yeah, each yeah, time. yeah, I get that. But yeah. these are composite images of several other images. None of these people exist. And, my God, it's frightening how you would think they were real people. So if you we, want to really it, freak it,
1: yourself it, it, out... It, it, it's or savvy.
0: find pictures of people that don't exist that you can use in your own materials or things like that. Just type into thispersondoesnotexist.com and then start refreshing. It's, it's
1: frightening. <laughs> Speaking of of um, uh, people that do not exist in course books, wasn't it yeah, your old blog, The Six Things, where you were talking about uh, people, I can't remember the like, exact, like, I always, always remember the Headway Elementary, what's his face? Seamus McSporrin, I believe he was called, uh, who had the man with 13 jobs.
0: Uh, yes. So, this is an interesting story. In Headway, there was a, a text, I think it's a present simple text about yeah, it's a man who has 13 jobs and he lives on an island somewhere or in, 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 in Britain somewhere. He has certain jobs. And I, I remember writing about. Um, it was something about celebrities that I wrote on my, on my blog, and someone came along and posted a comment saying, what about book people who should be celebrities, but they didn't exist because the book writers just invented them? And he cited an example. He says, I'm thinking of the man with 13 jobs that I thought was real, but I think now that the authors of Headway Invited him. And they must have, the authors of Headway themselves must have had an alert on their name or something like that. This is back like in the, early days. We like say they the were, name, So you invoke the name, and it, because all of a sudden the next comment was from Liz Soares herself, the author of Headway, writing, That person does so exist that she provided the references and the Wikipedia page and everything, and it it was amazing, it was great. So yes, if you are of the same age as Sean and I, and remember the job, the man with 13 jobs, it was a real person, he's not a fake.
1: And now speaking of fake, here's the algorithm.
0: Welcome to the Algorithm.
2: The algorithm brings you the best in example language sentences found on the web and language learning apps. Each is tailored and randomized, especially for you. Today's sentence is... I do not hear you, since I have cinnamon rolls in my ears. I do not hear you since I have cinnamon rolls in my ears.
0: of an algorithm. And I, I do. Love- but the,
1: the algorithm makes me realise how fake we are. I mean, we're oh, using yeah. fake. We're using fake sentences in that. Um, we use a fake uh, text-to-speech voice to that. Um, a lot of the music in the show, we actually use an, an artificial intelligence website. I can't remember the name of the website. The person does not like the person doesn't exist. But this this puts together music yeah. uh, for it. So we do fake a lot in this
0: podcast. We do fake <laughs> it till we make it. Which brings us to our next. Aspect of fake, right? weren't we gonna? Yes. Uh, we've spoken about fake, the word fake, as a concept uh, in opposition to authenticity in ELT. And what now, about you, fake? I, and now, do you feel like a fake? Are you a fake, Lindsay? Exactly, How the can... whole area of fake as uh, feeling like a fake or or fake teachers and stuff like that. That was something that came up quite a bit. Incidentally, one of the things that I that came up a lot, and I. I I, I don't know enough about it, so I don't want to say much. But when I looked up fake and teaching, um, several stories from India of fake teachers, people who faked their teaching degrees to get jobs. Oh, there was right. loads and loads of stories, but I don't know if that itself wasn't a fake news thing circulating or not. I I have no idea. I could I didn't I didn't dig into it much.
1: It be mean, very better a fake news story about fake teachers doing fake things in a exactly. fake way.
0: But the, I mean, the other thing, of course, is the whole nature of fake, and the term uh, "fake it until you make it" comes in uh, comes into play here. Because I believe, and it certainly was true for me, but I believe many teachers, when they begin their careers, there is a big worry that you, you when you get up in front of a classroom, especially if you are sort of in your early twenties or something like that, which is when I started teaching is is you can't help but feel a little bit like a fake like you're always sort of worried or i i, I would feel that you'd be worried that uh you'd get discovered they're going they're going they're going they're going to figure me out or or someone's going to come running in and say hey uh, get him out of here he's a fake did you ever I, well
1: do do I, I still do I think I'm not uh. <laughs>
0: yes yes I think every time you move into a new domain like you know in, in front of you know it's a it's a frequent um nightmare before a conference you know that someone's going to shout something during a talk and like reveal that you're a fake and so on but um
1: Yeah I think there's always that um idea uh, I, <laughs> I don't know, if I think about it, I certainly since I've moved, I, I do less of of that um, of that uh, of the typical E.L.T. Uh, timetable timetable kind of stuff. I think if I was if I was um, still a full time teacher per se, I wouldn't have that so much. But because of the way my career path has gone, and opens up other opportunities. I feel that I'm put in positions where I'm like, Ooh, really, am I? Um, am I? You know that imposter really you want me to do that is can i do that do i know that uh this has
0: been studied hasn't it i mean there's a name for it it's called the imposter syndrome
1: oh it is uh, yeah
0: and I'm looking at it right now that the um, on Wikipedia uh, the feeling, I'm feeling it right now of, yeah I I'm, exactly because I'm just going to read it <laughs> but the feeling they say here the feeling of being a fraud that surfaces an imposter phenomenon is not uncommon it has been estimated that nearly seventy percent of individuals will experience signs and symptoms of imposter phenomenon at least once in their life. This can be a result of a new academic or professional setting. Research shows that imposter phenomenon is not uncommon for students who enter a new academic environment. So, for example, someone going into grad school or yeah. you know doing a doctorate. Feelings of insecurity can come as a result of unknown new environments. It leads to lower self-confidence and belief in their own abilities. So the environments, they say could be like a new environment in general a new academic setting so that's like us and teaching and stuff um a new job you feel like a fake you know in, in a new job or an imposter um yeah. and in social interactions which i a, wasn't quite getting but okay i'll go with it i, guess, you,
1: I guess if you're in I I I I can uh I can I can relate to that based on working at the <laughs> university of oxford believe me um yes um, okay yeah yeah uh, yeah no but I think if you go if you go back to the classroom um and this you certainly in the early days of teaching when you don't know the don't perhaps know everything about the classroom I remember one of my first ever lessons and um as a teacher when my when my uh, teenage class asked me about relative causes, and I was like, You what? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> and and I felt that like that rather than they were they were they were just asking a um a, a genuine question, you know? Yeah. Uh, can you help me with this relative clause uh, And I and I'm going. You're testing me, are you? You're trying to undo me, you know? You're trying to find out if I'm real. I guess that feeds into that kind of.
0: Well, here is um here's a quote from somebody. Um, I have written eleven books, but each time I think, uh oh, they're going to find out now. I've run the game on everybody, and they're going to find me out. And that's from Maya Angelou. Um, Oh, really? Wow. And I've got a list here of individuals in the spotlight that have shared experience and talking about feeling like a fraud and imposter syndrome. So, for example, Maya Angelou, that was one quote. Um, Tom Hanks has spoken a lot about that. Michelle Obama, Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, Nicola Sturgeon, David Tennant, Emma Watson, Robbie Williams, and Tom York have okay. all talked about... I, I mean, it's
1: interesting, a genuine question for you, Lindsay. Uh, um, so you write both course books and you write methodology books. Do you feel... Yeah. Did I find when I write when I write the more methodological stuff to be published, I find that's when the imposter syndrome might kick in more than, yeah. than the course books. Do
0: you feel the same? Yes. Yes, I do. And also, yes, because every once in a while when you're writing that kind of stuff, either a methodology book or article, that you want to try to quote of course and lean on as much other stuff but there's certain comes a point where someone's like well who said that and you have to say well i'm saying i did now <laughs> yes. i yeah. just said it Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, yeah. and that's a, that's the kind of nervous part i mean it also reminds me of a friend of mine who went on to do a phd and he found a bit of research that said ma students tend to way overuse academic jargon. And that once you get to PhD, or in fact, when you finish your PhD, all of a sudden the amount of jargon drops off because you, f- you start feeling that you don't necessarily have to prove it so much to everyone. You don't feel, maybe you feel less like a fake once you've achieved it.
1: I don't know. Well, having having just finished a a, a master's uh, dissertation, I can I can agree with. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> um, I say, there's actually two things I think. For, to what you've just been talking, I feel like a fake. Uh, the two different angles: um, one, the the concept of faking it, and how do we how do we fake it as a teacher? And I don't mean be a fake teacher, but there is it's coincidentally how do you going back to my relative course teacher? How do you deal with the question? Um, um. So when the student asks you a question you don't know the answer to, and therefore you feel like
0: Oh, this is wonderful, because we circle back to one of the first things we were talking about, about the authenticity of the person. So I think a respected teacher or being an authentic teacher also means being willing to say, I don't know. And So this is one of the things as teacher trainers, we often try to install in new teachers, like, It's okay to not have everything at the tip of your fingers to answer you know you don't have to be the fountain of all information you can say i don't know and i'll find that out for you or i don't know Let's look that up. But,
1: right. that, but that, but that's the beauty of being an experienced teacher, isn't it? <laughs> you yeah, can kind of you, you're comfortable with yourself, and you could you could yeah. do that. I think. I mean, there is there there is the idea of oh, get into pairs and think about it. Is, that, is that <laughs> yeah. it?
0: that's a very good question. Who can answer <laughs> <That's>, that question? <laughs>
1: that's a really good question. Um, yeah. Guess what your homework is. So next week, can you come back? I mean, there's that there's that element side to it. Yeah. Um, so there is that idea that that I think there as, as we said, there, I think there are things in the classroom. That, that, that feed into that fake unit plus being the authentic teacher and just randomly i wondered um uh, i stumbled and you were talking about students feeling fake as well um and i stumbled upon a really interesting research paper about about giving fake grades to motivate students wow <laughs> and, and now, it was really, okay
0: that ain't so you give them fake grades to motivate like here here's an a here's a 10 out of 10 on something yeah, no, like they—they they,
1: they, um—they got it very precise. I i have I've, I've, um—closed the page it was on. Uh let me think it was something like 30 they did they worked out the exact amount they had to inflate the grade and it was like 20 or 30 percent in order to in in order uh, in order to uh to do it and the research study, it's actually at the end of it is basically you know don't be as strict on the conclusion is don't be so strict on your students uh, which i think we'd, we'd agree with anyway you know that, yeah. that if you are if, if they are le- don't correct every mistake kind of philosophy I see,
0: I've, i'm looking at it now they say the researchers rated the tasks using fake scores which were it up to 37.5 37%, higher yeah yeah but the idea being that it built it <laughs> it, so it built we up the students
1: yeah, self-esteem is, ironically on dictagoss which we talked about in a, in a previous episode of this of this uh of oh, this season sure. so, so yeah, but it's really interesting thing, and it made me wonder you know that actually boosting the grade uh i don't think oh we oh should go about boosting grades but oh well yeah
0: <laughs> all right everybody Send your ads and your comments to Sean, please, on this one. Because
1: Lindsay's too busy fighting off the coursework writers he insulted in the <laughs> yes, first place. That's one. right. So yeah. anyway. Something for everybody here. <laughs> yeah, break, break
0: time, then, yeah? <laughs> I think so. I think so. James! <laughs> Get us out of
2: here. <laughs> Hi, producer James here with a quick message to say thank you for listening to the podcast. This show is available on all podcast players, including Apple Music, Spotify, and now on Amazon Music. Make sure you subscribe to get the latest episode. Huh. All right,
0: right. right. Okay, who can we insult so, in part three. Who can we? Well, why don't we? We've 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 done the coursebook writers, the teachers. Why don't we just take on the whole world and the last okay. aspect of fake, which is um. Probably the one, coming back to what we said, what we thought the most common collocation with fake would be, which would be fake news these days. Um, there's been a lot of interest, I think, in English teaching recently um, on teaching media literacy, on getting students to recognize fake news, on getting yeah. students to be aware of fake news. That's what I or stuff teach.
2: Like
0: yep. And... Um, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not easy. What, 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 what do you have to say about this? I I have a couple things to say about this, because I've been kind of struggling with it a bit recently. But
1: I find it very interesting, because I teach, I actually teach um, um, post graduates that are are in in Oxford, uh, who are, um, who are um going on to do master's or phd studies and we have a whole uh, course on, on digital literacy of which the idea of fake news it comes up in the sense of understanding the authenticity of text the appropriacy of text the bias of text those, those kind of things uh uh with it um, i've you you alluded to, I think the best I've seen written on it recently is Philip um, on the on his blog in I terms so of
0: I, I want to, let's finish off by sharing a couple of things because I think one of the things about um, fake news is uh, I remember at the beginning when fake news started becoming a thing. And there are several examples of stuff written where like activities where you have to detect the fake news headline or what makes a piece of news fake news and stuff like that. Um, and I think and I think, what you're doing probably with your class is all like that's all critical literacy and understanding. A it really like makes it.
1: We, we do start actually with, with uh, if you're going to read the quote, it'll make sense. The tree octopus site is, is actually where we start. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the tree
0: octopus site is a famous one where, why don't you tell us, the listeners, what the tree octopus site was? and then? Well, so this we was, a, I
1: mean, the tree octopus, I, I love the tree octopus. Um, Full we'll start, I love what, how the tree octopus has become a phenomenon with its own Wikipedia page and uh some of the videos made by students on U- on youtube are fabulous um but the tree octopus was originally a website and it's one of several websites that were made uh, a few years ago now uh, basically as as material for teachers to, or for educationalists to show to help uh students uh, primarily younger students understand how you could be fooled by information on the uh on the internet and the uh, the uh, the Pacific Northwest octopus is a tree octopus so it's an octopus that lives in the trees along the Pacific coast of America and the website is genuinely I mean it's one of the, it's it's not just a fake website and the, and you're gonna we're gonna talk about why it doesn't really work and that's why we use it in, in the course. Yeah. So there but, was
0: a few of these things which were kind of designed up to then be Dog used Island as, being another yeah, one. Yep. To be used to teach uh literacy and stuff. Um What I what I found is a difficulty in writing this kind of material myself. I think it's been summed up quite well by Philip Kerr. Uh, He writes, for example, um, and I'm quoting from his blog, which we'll put in the in the in the link. Training materials for media information literacy usually involve a number of stages. These include things like fact checking, triangulation of different sources, consideration of web address, analysis of images, items on the site, source citation, and so on. And and he says this is all good stuff. But the problem, however, and this is what I found trying to do this nowadays, like post 2017, 2018 uh, even, is that news fakers have become so good at what they do. Absolutely. The tree octopus site, and now I was just looking at it as well, is crude in comparison to what can be produced nowadays by people who have learned to profit from the online economy of misinformation. Facebook employs an army of algorithmic and human fact checkers and still struggles. The bottom line is that background knowledge is needed. Um, with news the scope of domain knowledge is so vast that it's extremely hard to transfer one's ability to critically evaluate one particular piece of news to another we're all fooled from time to time and then he talked about you know all the fake stuff that happened during coronavirus because that's where a lot of fake stuff has kind of exploded yeah and Mm. um, and uh yeah people can get fooled by it um but he makes another point, which I think is worth with, uh, with, with mentioning here, which is that media information literacy, like critical thinking more generally, is a skill that is acquirable, but it can only be acquired, and here's the key rub, if there is a disposition to do so. The ability to think critically and the disposition to do so are separate entities. Training learners to be more critical in their approach to media information well, excuse the language here. Maybe so much pissing in the wind if the disposition to be skeptical is not there. Shaping dispositions is a harder task than training skills. So, food for thought about if we are looking at teaching critical detecting of fake news, may be a bit harder than we think. Doesn't mean it's not worthwhile. And I think he does mentioned in this article how lots of these activities are worthwhile perhaps for other reasons as well um, but most importantly is trying to create an environment where or trying to get people to have the disposition to start looking at it in the first place in that way Uh, yeah absolutely and I think
1: that's it it's it's teaching you have to teach people around uh you do there is in a sense that the idea of the schema with it I think one of the interesting things is, is is looking at say Twitter and looking at Twitter accounts I'm looking. Understand again. We look at the we look at on on the course I teach because you know you you know there are certain things about Twitter that like the verifiable blue tag those kind of things that if you know then that helps you identify those features which I think fits into that. By the way, we keep saying the Tree Octopus site. If you want to go to it, it's it's Zapatopi. So it's Z A P A T O P I dot net. If you've never come across it before, that's where it is. But if you do Google the Tree Octopus, then um, you will um you will find it there uh, you, you just mentioned covid didn't you um yes. and, yeah. and and false facts here you go uh true or false then uh if you can hold your breath for ten seconds then you don't have the virus
0: oh, false I okay think.
1: beat the virus with hot water
0: well on your hands I suppose taking a few oh, of
1: taking a sips of water no every fifteen minutes at least will kill the virus
0: no, the Not, virus spreads a, through
1: petrol pumps
0: uh no idea i don't i don't think
1: so <laughs> five 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 g causes the coronavirus oh god no please oh no eating, eating garlic prevents covid19 no thermal no. scanners uh can detect covid19 uh, i don't
0: i don't think so they can detect you no, they fever, can't, no. but you could be asymptomatic so no
1: yeah uh hi oh here we go i always get this wrong hydroxychloroquine oh, uh, god. There you go. okay does not have
0: clinical benefits in treating
1: covid19 I I don't know. I don't think. Well, I don't know. I'm. Yeah, I what, do, remember, listen to what I said. Hydrochloric chlorine does not have clit- clinical benefits in treating COVID nineteen, rather than maybe, does. Oh, so does uh, I? I don't know. I don't. Well, the answer to that is no, because Trump said it did. This oh, yeah. one is actually more true. And finally, people should not wear masks while exercising.
0: Huh? Not sure on that one. Here, one is, uh,
1: recommend, that recommend that one is recommended to be true by the yeah, world here here or, they
0: said yeah here they said don't don't if you're running don't don't wear it but anyway yeah, the
1: idea the world health organization uh I'll, I'll contextualize it all in a moment suggests that you shouldn't because you're breathing so heavily that it wears down the mask anyway so it's pointless okay. uh so all those statements are from the world health organization the world health organization uh has a webpage dedicated to all the rumors and falseness found on covid19 on the internet which is a fascinating read and there are hundreds of them and all wow. those things i've just read are have been the big stories that circulated on the internet so this um, is their
0: page of like the fake fake things yeah about these the, are the fake and, the and, and,
1: and when they are might be true like the not wearing masks one and so on okay. but it was you just reminded me of it when um when when you were speaking there and uh you know how much disinformation and fake news there is exactly oh, i think well, we could talk well, forever
0: should we i think we could <laughs> but i think you just whetted my appetite for a quiz you just sprung that on me without knowing a, my, yeah, sorry, a yes sorry yes but <laughs> You have been preparing another quiz. Why don't we take a listen to
1: that one? Let's let's do some fake music quizzes. Here we go. And now for something completely different. Welcome to the Tuffle Commute Fake Quiz Show. That's right, a quiz show in which everything is fake. Well, apart from me, of course. Everything from the intro music to the other voices you'll hear, completely made up, found on the internet, and even the quiz itself is fake. What do you mean, Sean? Well, this is a music quiz, and we've chosen five pieces of music, all of which have a fake in the title. What you're gonna do is guess who sang them. So we'll play the music, and at the end of it, you should have five different artists all singing about fake. Are you ready? Let's go.
2: Chinese rubber climb And a fake plastic gun What's your five fake songs? But who sang them? Here's your thinking time. Have you got them all? Well, time's up. So here's Sean with the answers.
1: So, five songs about fake, Very eclectic songs, one would have to say. Lindsay, your music collection is incredible. Right, let's go through the answers then. So the first one was simply called Fake. It's from 1987 and it was sung by Alexander O'Neill. Moving on to number two, Uh, this is from 1995 from a little album called The Benz. Uh, It's Fake Plastic Trees and of course it's by Radiohead. Moving on to number three, a bit of K-pop uh, thrown in there to confuse you. This was a song was called "Fake Love." It was from 2018, and it's by the uh, incredibly popular uh, band, uh, Korean band BTS. Ah, number four was also Fake Love, but this time it was by Drake, and that was from 2016. And finally, from 2006, you had the Arctic Monkeys with Fake Tales of San Francisco. So there you go, did you get them all, did you get any? That just about wraps up our fake quiz, so cue the fake outro music and back to the podcast. <laughs> And I'm not going to put you on the spot there, Lindsay, because I know no. that you've got them all right. Because, of course, as I said in the <laughs> quiz, that they're, they're all your records, and I borrowed your your
0: uh, music collection for it. Well, <laughs> anyway, you're <laughs> very welcome. <laughs> anyway, I think that brings us to an end of our our episode. Yeah, I think we should call it uh, call it an end, shouldn't we? Well we we've made it so no 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 more need to fake it all right (laughs) i'd like to say thanks to everybody for listening if you want to find us or other episodes um of the tefl commute we're on all the places where you're listening to podcasts we're also on spotify now and on amazon music right yeah we are also, uh, you can uh, find information about all the episodes at our website, devilcommute.com. And we're on Facebook, uh, Instagram, and all the places. And there
2: Twitter. There you go,
0: there. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So, Drop us a line. Let us know what you think. Anything bad, forward it to Sean. Thanks for listening, unless everybody.
1: A, unless it's bad material, then forward it to Lindsay. Thanks a lot. See you next episode.
0: Bye.
2: As your commute is coming to an end, here's an activity you can take into class. As Sean and Lindsay mentioned, why not use a fake news story as a reading activity? Set up the task as you would in a normal reading class with pre-reading and comprehension questions, grammar and vocabulary work, but finish by adding some discussion questions. You could firstly ask them questions like, how did this story make you feel? If you could ask questions to anyone in the story, what would you ask them? And, do you believe everything that you read? You could then ask them to research the story and they could find out more about it. After the students have done their research, you could lead them in a discussion about fake news and why people make it and are deceived by it. You could also do a similar activity with urban myths or April Fools stories. You've been listening to The Tevil Commute, an original podcast produced and presented by Lindsay Clanfield, Sean Mildon and James Taylor. Don't miss out on any episodes by subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or your podcast player of choice and by visiting us at teflcommute.com.
1: That was fun.